The Once and Future Nerd Book One Princes of Jordan Chapter Three A Little Blood Episode One There exists a peculiar corridor deep in the heart of Castle Guernatal. It could not be called secret necessarily, as it is known to many of the castle's servants. No, peculiar describes this corridor best. It shares a wall with the chambers of some mid-ranking military officers. Due to some peculiar twist of engineering, sounds from these offices occasionally drift through the wall and out to the corridor. To be sure, these sounds are so faint that they can barely be heard by someone walking in the corridor. Gwendolyn was not walking down the corridor. She was, in fact, crouched behind a particular office, ear pressed firmly against the wall. The low, urgent whisper behind the wall almost certainly belonged to Lord Ardell Redmore. Gwen strained to hear the conversation, but instead heard heavy, booted feet coming down the hallway towards her. Gwen jumped up. As she stalked away from the sound, she heard more footsteps approaching from the other direction. Gwen panicked and took a rather rash course of action. Namely, she found a nearby laundry chute and dove in. She fell for 30 feet and was lucky to land in a large vat of soap and water and dirty bedsheets. Some 30 minutes later, a drenched Gwendolyn sat in Arlene's bedchambers. The high-born lady was toweling her servant's hair with a plush towel. Poor dear. You're certain he said kill? Yes, my lady. Kill on sight and leave no witnesses. I didn't hear who they were talking about, but your brother was terribly upset that they couldn't find him. This made Corlan's nightmares? Our visit to the bishop? My brother is planning something awful. I'm sorry I couldn't hear any more. That's all right, Gwen. You've done quite enough for one week. Thank you. Have you been working on your letters like I showed you? Yes, my lady. If I say so myself, I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. Would you like to try reading one of the histories with me? I would love that, my lady. Go to the librarian and request any history you'd like. I'm going to ask for the Knights of the Wood and Hardlicks the Warrior Dragon. In her excitement, Gwen practically ran towards the door. Arlene giggled at the girl's excitement, but her joy was cut short when the door slammed open. Gwen had to stop suddenly to avoid being hit by the flying door. Oh, good, you're awake. Would you please join me in my solar, dear sister? Get us wine. Brother, at this hour... Gwen ran off quickly, her face bright red. She kept her head down to avoid eye contact with Ardell as she passed. We're celebrating. There's been good news for the first time in nearly a fortnight. Oh? I believe congratulations are in order. You're engaged to be married. That day, the sun had also risen on the farm that was, until very recently, owned by Bowen Briarhelm. Billy, Jen and Nelson found that the daylight did nothing to brighten their view of the events of the previous night. 
In fact, the light only served to illuminate the carnage that still surrounded the farm. Regan sat by an old well, methodically pumping water onto the blood-stained blade of her sword and scrubbing with a rag. Brennan emerged from the forest, carrying a shovel caked in mud. He glared at the rogue, but walked a wide path around her. Mercenary corpses remained littering the ground. Man, we gotta get back home. I never thought I'd miss Pennsylvania. Aren't you a little curious about all this anointed one stuff? Nelson, I think I'd rather be somewhere where people aren't trying to murder me with a sword every few days. I don't mind the fights, I just, I want to go to an Arby's or some shit, you know? Yeah, but no one wants to help us get home until they get the prophecy stuff figured out. I think we may have to start figuring this out on our own. I would remind you that to run off anywhere without our protection would certainly mean your doom. Hey, asshole. Are you not letting us fight just so you can hold that over us? It's no fault of mine if your inferior human faculties render you ill-equipped for combat. Yellowing, I'm starting to think you might be a racist. What does that mean? It means you don't like humans just because they're humans. Nonsense. Humans can be very useful. I had a human nanny, you know. Uh, well, but that doesn't really... Billy, Nelson. You'll need to search these bodies for anything useful, especially jewelry. You did not just say that. As the boys set to their unpleasant task, Jen took the opportunity for some solitude in the barn's loft. She retrieved her iPhone from her handbag. The device was unable to accomplish its primary purpose of communication with other similar devices. However, a warlock by the name of Jobs had long since mastered the art of convincing humanity to purchase devices without purpose. Thus, Jen was able to spend quite some time with the non-functioning device. She was perusing images. Don't ask me how images got on the device. I still don't understand. Of herself in northeast Pennsylvania. She had reached an image of her infant self with her father when Billy returned from his looting. He had gore spattered all over his arms and shirt. All done? Yeah. It was rough, but I toughed it out. I would have helped. Nah, don't sweat it. It's guy's stuff. Billy peeled off his sweat and blood-soaked shirt. Ever a bit narcissistic, although wholly unable to spell it, Billy took a moment to admire his own body. I gotta say, I've been getting a good workout since we got here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm alright with a sword now. No, I mean me. Jen looked just slightly disappointed. You look good. You always look good, baby. To Billy, this was as good as an invitation. He leaned in close to kiss her. At that distance, however, Jen could no longer pretend to ignore the stench of Billy's earlier work and flinched away. Did you throw up again? No. Oh, honey. I didn't. It's okay. You're not supposed to be used to maimed bodies. You, you got any of those breath tabs in your bag? Yeah, but I'm running low. I didn't think a toothbrush was advanced technology. Billy placed the green strip into his mouth and, believing the problem solved, tried for the kiss once again. Oh, um, I think we could each use a bath. Together? Yeah, I could get into that. Maybe apart for now. 
It's been a while. We did it right after the game that one time. You didn't have someone else's blood all over you. Meanwhile, outside the barn, Nelson sat with the pile of loot, assiduously sorting the goods by purpose, size, and color. Yilloween and Nia stood nearby, watching the boy work. You could have at least waited for their bodies to get cold. It's doing them no harm now. It does you harm to forget the dignity of others, even your enemies. Nelson, that goes for you too. I think if they ever invent smell-o-vision, a lot less games are going to reward you for looting dead bodies. It's not even fun to take off their clothes. Galadin's mercy, boy. What stories have you heard? Skyrim is more of an open-world adventure than a coherent story. These men forsook their own dignity by their actions in life. It's not in my power to give it back in death. At this moment, Jen burst out of the barn at a walk so brisk it was nearly a run. A moment later, Billy appeared behind her in pursuit. Because it's gross, I'm sorry. A little blood never hurt anybody. Blood is like fucking. Regan strolled up to the group. Most people don't realize how badly they need it until I've left them curled up somewhere, sticky and unconscious. I'm troubled by how arousing I find that. Dude. In Arlene Redmore's bedchambers, Gwen fastened the final button on Lady Redmore's dress. The dress was beautiful and lavish, all in white. You look so beautiful, milady. Antonin Mooncrest is a lucky man. The woman underneath looked terrible. Her face was ashen, paler even than the silks she wore. She appeared not to have slept in months, although only one night had passed since Ardell delivered his good news. Worst, however, was the expression on her face. Her face showed no joy, but also no anger, no fear. It was simply terribly blank. He's a good match. I've heard he is handsome and kind. Although Arlene remained silent and still, hot tears ran down her face. Gwen ran to offer comfort. There, there, my lady. It's all right to be a bit scared. I'm going to be sick. Arlene ran for the chamber pot and was indeed sick. Gwen held her lady's hand, veil clear from the filth, and rubbed Arlene's back comfortingly. Highborn girls are supposed to dream about their wedding day. Did you ever dream about marriage? I mean, in a way, I don't know. But then I never had the chance to wed Antonin Mooncrest. Marriage must be wonderful with a good man who you love. And what's not to love about Lord Mooncrest? Have you ever been in love, Gwen? Oh, I don't think so. My friends used to tell me, when you love a boy, it feels like a hummingbird in your guts every time you see him. But I never felt that way about a boy. I felt that way when I met you. But that's just nerves, ain't it? What lowborn girl wouldn't be nervous meeting a lady like you? What highborn girl would be nervous meeting her handmaiden? And yet, when you arrived at my father's house... What did you have to be nervous about? Perhaps hopeful is the better word. Before you, my brother was my only playmate. I remember he had a boy doll and a girl doll he used to play with, and he would have me pretend I was the girl doll. Some days it was fun. But other days he would poke the doll, or twist her arm, or pull her hair. 
He'd tell me to scream for her and get horribly cross if I didn't. So I would. One day he threw the doll into the fire. He told me, scream like you're burning to death. I ran out of the room crying and he followed me down the halls laughing and yelling, burn, burn. But when you came, I think I just sensed that you had a kind soul. I was excited. I felt hopeful. And that's probably what you're feeling now. It's just nerves troubling your stomach. I'll fix you some ginger no, tea. Glenn, it's different. My life is over when I wed. Now what kind of talk is that? Lord Mooncrest will seek annulment. My brother will be called gracious for taking me back into his house and I will never escape him. Annulment? Why would he ever do that? I have been unchaste, Gwen. Your husband needn't learn of your every youthful folly. But his family may ask for blood proof. I have heard that sometimes the maiden knot can be broken when a lady rides a horse. I know. So does Ardell. That's why he never let me ride. Wait. He knows? How does he know? Please, Gwen, I can't. Of course you can, my lady. You tell me everything. You will hate me, and I don't know what I will do without you. I swear to you, there is nothing you can say that wouldn't make me leave your side. Ardell and I came of age shortly before you came to us. At our needle and I feast, I never had wine before, but my brother and cousins kept telling me to drink. It was so exciting to be treated like a woman for the first time. I remember one of my cousins. A boy had never looked at me like that before, you see. I smiled back every time I caught him. I should have looked away, not given him the wrong idea, but I was flattered. What girl of 13 years wouldn't be? I remember the first few dances I had with him, but after that it's all black. In the morning, Ardell told me what happened. I said I needed his help. He laughed in my face. He said, yes, you do, and laughed that awful laugh of his. When I told my father about Ardell burning the doll, he said, that's the way of boys. But he is your brother, and when you need him, he will be there for you. Blind old fool. My brother is a monster. And my father was the last one who could have protected me. He refused to see it. The God's damn fool! Pardon me, milady. But if you don't remember, how do you know it happened as he said? When I woke, I was sore there. And when Ardell told me, he waved a bloody sheet in my face. He's been threatening to end my life with shame since then. I tried to forget. I didn't think the day would come so soon. It's all right, my lady. 
God, what you must think of me. I think you're the victim of your brother's cruelty. I could have stopped drinking. I could not have smiled back. And your cousin could have not had his way with you. Which is the greater evil, the theft of your honor or a smile? Do you think less of me? Do you think so little of my love for you? How could anyone love me? How could anyone not? I remember the first time I felt homesick. You sensed something was wrong. I thought you'd be upset, but you took me into your arms. And I've never felt so at home. Thank you, Gwen. Sometimes we all need to be flattered. I mean no flattery, milady. I am certainly not as wonderful as you think. But you are. And I've seen you at your most wretched. Remember when your lord father insisted on serving salmon in the mooncrest fashion? <laughs> I'm still sorry about that, Gwen. I hear your brother got the worst of it. The fish tried to escape from every hole it could find. Gwen, behave! You must have hated your brother as much as everyone else does. Hush, if he heard you... Gwen grabbed her lady's face with both hands and looked her straight in the eyes. The serving girl's eyes were steel. Fuck. Him. Gwen. He's played his last card, milady. What can he do now that he hasn't done already? additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Emily Cook, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe, with dialogue editing, post-production mixing, and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 